Hello, 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 visionaries. It's been a rocky podcasting month, both technologically and emotionally. I had planned to drop my calm kid combo with Tammy Williams the week before last, but had to switch some episodes around due to some audio issues that I couldn't fix or work around. And I'm not going to lie. I was disappointed. But I also knew that sometimes, you know, you just have to surrender and remember that these things do happen. So I hope to re-record the conversation with Tammy soon and drop it before the end of season one. In the meantime, I hope that you enjoyed and learned from episode eight's combo with Kendra Madden. Hearing from teachers who are doing education differently is part of my vision for this podcast and Kendra's combo definitely came through. But enough shedding these podcaster tears. Let's get to episode nine, where I share some tips for making the daily agenda meaningful for both you and the babies. So are you ready? Are you leaned in? Then let's make it happen, captains. What's good, visionaries? Thank you for bringing your lovely, your beautiful ears right here for episode nine of Calm Conversations About Learning, where we lean in to re-envision education with and for the folks who matter most, parents, teachers, and of course, our young folks. I'm your host, Zanani, parent, BB, and educator for life. And this month's pillar is all about the agenda, which is in its simplest form and itemized plan for a meeting. But in the learning environment, it's a structure that allows for safe and brave spaces to be built. It's it's a ritual that fosters trust, which leads to autonomy, audacity. And now that I think about it, accountability. Because in addition to taking more risk in their work, asking more questions and collaborating more productively, young folks can learn to become responsible for the information they received by acting on it. This is the magic of a clear and concise agenda. So when we think about the agenda, let's think autonomy, audacity, and accountability. We love me some alliteration. And when it comes to learning environments, I love me some collaboration. In episode seven's Pillar Talk, I mentioned Zaretta Hammond's suggestion that educators co-create routines with students. The WIP factor, W-I-T-H, is huge in restorative practices as well. And we'll be returning to this concept in future episodes. But for now, though, just know that whenever we can co-create the logistics of learning with the youngins, we are promoting what? Autonomy, audacity, and accountability. We are sharing space for them to make decisions, for them to practice using their voices in meaningful ways, and whether the results of their decisions and ideas go well or go awry, they get to share in the celebration or consequences as well as in the process of tweaking mistakes and problem solving. And as you probably know, there are many adults who do not possess these skills. I always find it interesting when some educators and parents talk about how children don't know how to make decisions, how they don't know how to think for themselves, they don't know how to express themselves and don't have original thoughts or problem solving skills. 
Well, that's why God made grownups to model and provide opportunities for children to practice these skills. And where? Where? In the safe and brave spaces that we're building. There will be many challenges that children will have to face on their own, and it's the job of the adults to give them as many tools as possible to face them bravely and with good sense. Providing them with opportunities to help decide on the rituals and routines in the learning environment is one of those rules, y'all. So how do we create withable opportunities for daily agenda planning? Well, I'm going to share three tips for creating effective learning agendas, as well as how we can incorporate ways to get input from the youngins. But I also have a caveat, and I might have mentioned this before. There are few quick fixes when it comes to teaching or parenting. And what I mean by that is that we can collect tips and strategies all day long. But if we're not willing to change our perceptions about how we relate to and with children along the way, tips and strategies mean nothing and ultimately do nothing. Just saying. So tip number one, keep your agenda short and sweet. You want to keep it at four items max, three if possible. When I was in the classroom, I was a chronic over planner, which worked for me because throughout my teaching career, I taught in either 90 or 100 minute periods. And I was so excited about my students learning and doing that I often wished that I could teach for 180 minutes. And I'm not lying. Over planning in my lesson plan book was fine, but I learned that sharing an overzealous agenda with my students whelmed most of them. Some brave but anxious teenager would be like, Miss Mzube, how am I going to get these six things done before class ends? And of course, this was a logical question. But I wanted to prove that the work was important, that it wasn't busy work, and that there was no room for downtime. I was only wearing my own self out, y'all. It took several years for me to learn to allow the learning to happen. And this is where trust comes in. Trust in the process. I learned that time or pacing as it's taught in teacher school is important, but not as much as the energetic thing that happens as a result of a clear and concise agenda. And that energetic thing is in the revealing and unfolding. Now, this might sound a little shishi la la, but check this out. When good teaching and learning occur, Knowledge and ideas are being revealed and ideas and skills are unfolding. I'm going to say it again. When good teaching and learning occur, knowledge and ideas are being revealed and ideas and skills are unfolding. And even if learning time is an hour and you have two items on your agenda, say a few minutes of mindfulness, then a lesson on writing effective thesis statements, several other things are likely happening during that hour, like clarifying questions, getting stuck while practicing writing the thesis statements, bathroom breaks. And even if a child is learning independently, you have to plan your agenda for these ebbs and flows. In my early teaching years, I had to learn that when planning, I had to plan with real actual humans in mind. Sometimes, honestly, I was so in love with my lesson plans and planning for how excited the children were going to be about my lesson plans. 
that I wasn't really thinking about all the particulars, all the details of humaning that would be occurring in the classroom. So not only did I have to start planning for, you know, the real actual humans that I would be teaching, (laughs) but I had to plan with relationships in mind. And this meant becoming familiar with things like my students' workflows. Some were like me, marathon workers. Others could only work in short sprints. I almost always offered a break after the first 50 minutes. And even when the class was going so strong that even the students forgot, they knew they could slip out and run to the restroom and return quickly. So a break was given to my class, but I didn't include it in the agenda. So four items of fewer or fewer actually relaxes the environment and allows for revealing and unfolding the teaching and the learning. There are a few possibilities for co-planning the agenda with your child or students. For example, you can decide what's going to be taught and learned and then co-plan the order of the items. An added benefit is learning to put events in logical order, which also lends itself to learning to prioritize, which is really, really important for students as they get older, they go to college, they you know, they're working, they need to know what should go first, what should be put first. For instance, I don't check my email first thing in the morning because it's just not as important as starting out maybe with a morning walk or, you know, with meditation. As a matter of fact, my meditation is like my morning coffee. I, that it is my morning coffee as a matter of fact. So It's important that we know how to put items and events in logical order and co-planning with our children and students helps us to or helps them to to do this. So you could also co-plan weekly agenda items. For instance, on Mondays, my freshman class had check-in circle and on Tuesdays, both freshman and junior classes engaged in independent reading for 20 to 30 minutes. I would put an academic check-in circle on the junior's agenda quarterly, but they decided what they wanted to address. Co-planning those standing activities provided that predictability needed to build trust. And young folks can be a chock full of good ideas, y'all. When they're encouraged to take some responsibility for their learning experience, they'll tell you what they need more of or less of, and you make the final call but it's worth it to listen. Tip two, always include a restorative starter ritual, whether it's a minute of deep breathing or a quick check-in or some intentional movement. This ritual does not replace the academic warm-up assignment. I believe that that's a necessary agenda item as well, but the restorative starter ritual must come first because it says to your child or students that You see them, and so you're going to take a minute together. One way to make this a whippable opportunity is by first trying out a couple of rituals, then asking your child or students which starter ritual they liked. Then ask them if they could start their learning time in any way they wished, and they only had a five-minute window, what would it be? And depending upon the environment and the reasonableness of the ideas, go ahead and give them a try. It won't hurt anything. But also, 
make it clear that this ritual is going down, that it is going to be happening consistently. Be as consistent as possible and model its importance by participating. It takes just a few minutes and believe you me, you'll find that you could use a minute too. Another idea might be to allow for flexibility within the ritual. In episode seven, I talked about my class's mindfulness practice. Well, I practiced flexibility by allowing students to practice mindfulness in ways that worked best for them, like doodling or sprawling out on the floor. Uh, I remember in one class, there were three besties who would lie on the floor and hold hands with their eyes closed. We sometimes had music. So students would take turns choosing what what were often these like lovely pieces that I'd never heard. And when I was out of class, it was a student who would lead our mindfulness moments, not the visiting teacher. So see, there are various ways and far-reaching benefits to co-planning the learning agenda. Tip three, remix and stir. In the hustle bustle of institutional learning, it's easy to get caught up in covering material and getting through chapters. This often means planning agendas for the sake of getting stuff done. Now, hold on. I'm not suggesting that we refrain from planning with efficiency in mind. A mini lesson should not take a week. But what I am saying is that you shouldn't be afraid. And actually, you should expect to reteach a skill or add more time for practice of that skill from time to time. And guess what? If you're a new classroom teacher or new to managing your child's learning, remixing and stirring is going to benefit you because you get better at understanding and teaching the skill or content through what? Practice. And over time, you'll find that teaching that skill or content is like sharing some fine wine. And this might be another reason also to keep your agenda concise. More room to learn what you teach especially if you're a slow and deliberate learner like moi. So ways to create some withability with the babies. You could perform an academic checkout at the end of learning time with a review of what they learned and ask them if they could add one item back to the agenda, what it would be and why. Because, you know, they might have gotten stuck in the area of learning, um, or they might have enjoyed an activity so much that they would like more of it. And when the youngins are saying more, may I please have more? It's a sign that you did your thing. And that feeling of accomplishment, of creating meaningful learning experiences on purpose due to effective co-planning with your child or students are your treasures, your trinkets of joy to stash away and Bring out on those teaching and learning days that sometimes go so far left that you think you have vertigo. But those treasures and trinkets of joy, they'll get you standing upright again. And what a feeling that is. Well, I hope that this episode got you good and inspired visionaries. Now, of course, a little visionary homework is on my agenda. So, I'd like you to create an agenda with your child or students that includes no more than three items, one of which could easily be remixed and stirred for improved teaching and learning, and a restorative starter ritual, like 
say, two minutes of sitting still and quiet. And I would love to know what was on your Wickable agenda or help out if you could use some ideas. So DM me on the Instagram at Zanani116. And guess what's also on my agenda? Yup, that podcast listener thing. So please follow, subscribe, rate, and review. Oh, and wait, the most important agenda item is, you guessed it, stay well, stay wonderful, and stay calm.